One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. In this episode of Lifetimes, we hear from Colin Jackson, one of Britain's greatest athletes and someone with a fascinating backstory. Away this time, and Ross has got away well, and so is Colin Jackson in the centre, and Garcia's been left at the moment, and Ross going, and Jackson coming through in the middle, and Colin's got away, and Colin, if he can hold it here, Garcia coming through, but the final stages, he's got to get there, and Colin Jackson is the champion of the world! And Jackson is away very well indeed. So too is Jack Pitt, Tony Dees next to him, and then Tony Jarrett, but Jackson is going clear. Dees is hitting hurdles, he's out of it. Jackson is clear of Pierce, and Jarrett comes up, and Tony Jarrett got the silver, but look at that for Colin Jackson, a British one-two, and it's a world record of 12.91. Fantastic running. That thing we were talking about a minute ago, you're 53. 52 now. 52, 52, 53, let's get that right. Next birthday then. 48. I mean, the fact that it's gone so fast, you're saying to me you think this is a positive thing. I think this is a negative. Life's disappearing no. before my eyes. You know, no. I'm going to be 60, then 70, and then goodness knows what's going to happen. You see this as a positive. Well, let's put it this way. You're right. You will be 60. You will be 70. <laughs> if I survive. Happen. Fingers crossed, right? Everything goes the right direction. That's exactly where it's going to be. But I think life goes by really quickly when you're busy and I think we're fortunate enough that we're busy doing stuff we get up in the morning to do different things there are so many people that that go through this their whole life existing I think we do a little bit more than exist and that to me is really important so I think we should embrace (laughs) <laughs> the fact that life is going past really well. And I, yeah, I'm looking, looking at you from across this desk. And you, <laughs> listen, you don't look stressed. You don't look hassled. Really? You look pretty good, fella. It's an act. It's an act. Is it? But, you you know, that, but that thing you're saying there, Colin, about um, we've got things to look forward to. Mm. We're busy. Mm. Got objectives. A reason to wake up in the morning. I totally get what you mean. And I think that if one didn't have those things, life would drag, mm-hmm. and it probably have less meaning. Mm-hmm. But did you find? Because you know, I played sport, table mm-hmm. tennis. You were in athletics Many things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, did you find that in sport there were 
big objectives, the Olympic Games, the World Championships, breaking a world record. Whereas after sport, those kind of epic targets and ambitions, they're not the same, are they? No, no, you're right. And so I'm going to just break it down. If you can imagine, they're very different parts of your life. And and when you say never the twain shall meet, they meet because of history. That is the only thing, (laughs) right? That's their, their meeting point. But everybody in, I would say, who's in a working environment would always change their careers a little bit. So that's all we've kind of done. We've just changed our careers. So we've always been. Is that how you really see it? You don't see it as like this massive watershed. Athletics and post athletics. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's just, uh, you know, I'm just still the same person. Hmm. You know, I've not got quite the same body, but I'm just saying, (laughs) you know, but I'm just saying. Still pretty good. I'm the same person. (laughs) So what tended to happen was. If you think I only fell into athletics, I know that sounds bizarre, and I know you're looking at me already with raised eyes, but I was going, excuse me, but no, <laughs> really, I fell into the sport of athletics. I was lucky enough that I loved it, and um, with loving it, I worked hard at it, and with the God-given abilities that I had, um, and all the help that I had from, you know, great coaching, massage, blah, 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 you know, all those extensions that go with, with top and world-class sport I was successful so that was the positive side of it very much Mm. and then when you think about whether there's other pressures linked with the sport like competing the Olympic Games or world championships trying to set world records all these things are part of that journey Mm -hmm. when you're good enough I always tell people to make sure you have realistic goals that are right for the particular moment in time so when I came into the the sport athletics who knew what I was going to do? I would have never said, oh, I'm going to be, I am going to be an Olympic I am going to be a world record. Or I am. No chance. Mm. That was never me. All I ever did was just go, I like this. I hope it goes really well. It's intriguing because a lot of people would assume that you had this blinding ambition <laughs> and that you were driven by it from day one. But this was kind of almost <laughs> like a random... And you grew up... So let's, let's paint the picture. Yeah. You grew up in South Wales. South Wales, yep, yep. Of Jamaican parents. Of Jamaican so, parents. Mm-hmm. So you're presumably unusual in your ethnic yeah, yeah, for background sure, for, sure, for that because for sure. I, I mentioned this. I'm half yeah. uh, Pakistani. Mm. I grew up in suburban Reading, yeah. and you know I felt like a bit of an outsider. I grew up like you in the 1970s, and there was a bit of racism mm. around. Paint a picture of what it was like growing up as you in that culture. Okay, so in South Wales initially, I think because you're very much part of um, um, the Welsh people are very much community. Yeah. orientated anyway mm. and they're quite they embrace lots of things mm. about you you know and I think I was really lucky that I didn't experience any particular racism in that sense apart from you know there was always going to be apart from <laughs> on reflection yeah. not at the actual moment at that time I didn't recognize it because I wasn't subjective to it yeah. but I remember when I was trying to play cricket and I was playing cricket for the county in that sense and um, I was a captain of our school mm-hmm. and uh, five players from my school were named in the team mm-hmm. and I wasn't <gasps> And on reflection, I feel it was uh, a little bit to the fact that perhaps my skin tone was not correct. (laughs) But it's it's fascinating. So I'm half Welsh. My grandfather grew up in the Rhonda Valley. He was a miner. Mm. Uh, My grandmother from Clangothlan and my mum. All of her family are in Wales. So I go there a lot. I get what you're saying about community. It's a wonderful, powerful thing, isn't it? People really look out for each other. It's neighbourly. They know each other's names. Mm. Um, but, you know, when I was growing up in, in Reading, I heard the P word a lot. Right. 
uh, NF. Mm-hmm. You'll know yeah, what that means. Yeah, yeah, yeah. National yeah, Front. Yeah, they yeah. were like that symbol. Yeah, yeah, you would yeah. see graffiti yeah. in a lot of different places. Um, when I went to my first football game, the P word was used when yeah. I was in the stand. So I was quite conscious of it growing up. Yeah. It's really interesting that you only became conscious of this one moment retrospectively, yeah. but not at the time. Yeah, no, definitely not at the time. Um, and I think, I don't know whether every there was always that real community kind of feel i think yeah. always because all us as kids we all play together mm. um you know it's a whole mix of kids there and we'd be in each other's houses mm. all the time um and there was never an issue nobody was ever saying you get out you there was never that yeah. so of course if that's how you you see life in these beautiful rose-tinted goggles <laughs> in that sense mm. and it, it doesn't really i guess raise its ugly head until later on yeah you know okay well let's maybe go back to that but your parents intrigued me mm. you say both, both jamaican both jamaican yeah immigrant first gen- yes. came to, to, to the yeah. uk to live settled down in in south wales now i know nothing about your parents except for the fact they brought up at least two <laughs> remarkable people you say you have one sibling or, or more than one i have a half brother as well yeah, well. yeah 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 and your sister has become an incredibly successful actor mm. you've become an amazingly successful sportsman yeah. and you've done amazing so tell me about the upbringing i mean these sound like they must have been pretty inspirational parents Do you know i think they allowed us to be kids they really allowed us to do what we wanted to do yeah. and um whatever it was i don't think we <laughs> We, we we are reflected, right? So I'm thinking really deep. In is there is was there a magic formula that my parents kind of pulled together to to make us the people we are? All, all I know is that they were very well disciplined, and they made well, sure were, were they like well, yeah, bit, were, yeah, yeah. yeah. You so, couldn't you you had yeah, to behave. Yeah, yeah. There was no, no two ways about it, and that was the same thing through the whole the whole of the family. Mm. Yeah, said huge amount of respect for everybody. I think this yeah. is one of the the the, the big things that were important to us yeah. is that having respect I think also made us humble as mm. a, mm. <laughs> in, yeah. in that sense um, we didn't want for anything mm. you know but we weren't spoiled do you know it's it's that real fine line yes. of, of not one but I think but it's it because wasn't a, our, it wasn't a rich no, upbringing was it we were up on a council estate right. in Cardiff um, you know but um, we had two cars. My mum and dad had a car, um, which meant it was easy for both myself and my sister to do things. So if I needed to go training, one would take us to training. If my sister had to go and do a performance, uh, the other parent w- w- yeah. was out doing that. Mm. And so, so they supported you, whatever you wanted to do. Without question. You know, if we wanted to have a go at playing the violin or guitar, they go, okay, let's see if we can find a guitar or let's find a violin and, and give it to them to, to give it a go. There was never any... I don't think, and that sounds weird when I say, I don't think it was ever a no, you know, for having a go. Yeah. But we were decent kids. Mm. You know, we would never bring trouble to the house, as, as uh, we'd all would say. Um, so you're well, behaved, you're well yeah, behaved through school. Yeah, yeah. No delinquency, no, no getting chucked out of classes, no, detentions. No, 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 you're no, well no. I was cheeky. Yeah. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> Which I know that won't surprise you. I was a little bit mouthy sometimes in, in school. But I guess that kind of arrogance allowed us to, 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 to become mm. the champion I ultimately ended up being. Mm. But in the same breath, I was respectfully cheeky. So mm. I would do things and I'd, I'd know my boundaries. Yeah. You know, I knew where my boundaries always lay. And, and how do you fall into athletics? How does that happen? You know, because I had nothing else better to do. Uh-huh. And that sounds sad, doesn't it, in that sense? But all I remember, my sister always had this ambition. She wanted to be a journalist. 
right? Really? So that's what she wanted mm-hmm. to be. And when people say to me, well, what do you want to do then? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, those flowers look lovely. Right? <laughs> I had no you idea. Really? I had no okay. idea, man. All I knew is that I enjoyed sport. Mm-hmm. I was a massive sports fan and I loved playing. Yep. So, you know, sport just seemed an ideal place to end up getting yeah. to. And so, yeah, I literally fell into my sport that way. But I, I, At the school? At school, mm-hmm. I do everything. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever was available, I was there. You know, shot put, high jump, long jump, javelin, I do that. Cricket, I was in the national football team. Oh, and you catch the cricket. Too. Yeah. By the way, yeah. Is this might be a glimmer of a memory, completely wrong. Did you start as a decathlete? I did absolutely spot on and then um i realized there was this thing called the pole vault uh-huh. and, <laughs> and i knew that that was going to be a real struggle and so did my coach malcolm arnold realized like mm, i'm not sure if we're going to get to coax him to go further than three meters in the pole vault so i only managed two meters and 72 <laughs> i'm still pretty good malcolm arnold is, is he from south wales malcolm was based in south wales he's from um northwich up in cheshire so, but he was based in South Wales. He was national coach. For yeah, Wales. right, right, right. And so you um, came across him quite early. Fifteen. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, fifteen. Great coach. Uh, brilliant coach. Absolutely brilliant. I was terrified of him. I was, really? Oh, yeah. Disciplinarian. <laughs> what like what, like, like Ferguson, the hairdryer? He, yeah, he was always like seemed gruff, <laughs> right? And then when you get to know him, you realise that him and his whole family are lovely. Yeah. So it's just that he was a professional mm. in his field. So you know, I. I, I was probably three or four times he, he he said he threatened to throw me out of the group for not doing what I was told. But when you're young, you kind of, as yeah. I said to you earlier, I push those boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> you, you need to know. But it was always really interesting to when I came across Malcolm as a coach because he was one of these people who always, like my parents in a sense, mm-hmm. laid responsibility at my door. Yeah. So he can only he's only going to guide me. That's it, full stop. Whatever, it's down to you, sunshine. Yeah. So I remember posing a question to him later on, and I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but I think it's kind of relevant. When I, when I, I posed a question to him, and I said to him, um, did you think I'm going to be as good as I ended up being? Mm. And he went, no. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when you start, he said, no. He said to me, no, I didn't think you were going to be as good as you ended up being. And I was like, I was very confused in that sense. He said, you know, uh, let's start with the fact that I have met in my life, now you think Malcolm's 76, Mm. far more talented athletes than you, far more talented that didn't make it. So I thought, you knocked me down a peg or two, right? (laughs) That didn't make it. He said, because it's not just about your athletic ability, which will make you a champion. He said, I didn't know what your, your background was, what your parents were like, whether you were getting the right motivation from a home, if you were still had aspiration, yeah. or if you were just here fly by night, yeah. if you were just doing it to fill in the time and leave. He said, so of course I would have no idea whether you could become the champion you ended up becoming. And, I, and, and you, you sit back and you think to yourself, wow, Wow, I'm not sure which part of that I like. Is that I'm not there as talented as he thinks, or, or what? But, but he's got he's right though, isn't it? Mm. The talent yeah. isn't enough. Nope. You need to have that drive. Yeah, you need to take responsibility. Yeah, because it's really easy when you're being spoon fed by a coach just to take the coaching, told where to go at the right time. But every now and again, you have to step up. And you have to say, "I'm going to do that extra training session. Mm. I'm going to push myself that little bit harder. Yeah. I'm not going to." eat the food that might compromise my development as an athlete. Can you think of a moment where you 
had that in a conversation and said, you know what, I'm knuckling down? Or did it happen more gradually than that? What sort of age are we talking where you started to really... Well, Malcolm, Malcolm first said that I had that conversation with me about being, you know, independent, et cetera, et cetera, at 15 when I first joined yeah, this group. that's interesting. So as, as I joined the group, he told me this. Yeah. And it was like, oh, right, okay. So you kind of already like thinking, hmm. Do you know, I know this is slightly going off tangent a little yeah. bit, but there's a school. I went and visited a school not long ago near Croydon. Mm-hmm. And the teachers, you know, fantastic teachers, really care about the students. And so if a student didn't turn up for class, they would drive around to their home and make sure they were there. If they didn't understand something, they would sit and talk and discuss it and make sure they did it, the homework. And everything was done in a way that kids would leave the school with the best possible qualifications because they were surrounded by an incredibly extensive support network. And they thought this is a good thing. And on, looking from the outside in, it sounds like a great thing. But then they found something really odd. Once the students were out there at university or in the wider world and they had to step up, take mm. responsibility, mm. make decisions, mm. they were f- struggling. Yeah. And at university, you have to decide what lectures you're going yeah, to. Yeah, you have yeah. to write your own yeah. essays and yeah. all the rest of it. They were dropping out early. And so they said that we want people to have a support network, but not to be spoon-fed. They yeah. need to make independent decisions. Yeah. They need to use their own initiative from time to time. It's fascinating that uh, Malcolm Arnold, yeah. brilliant coach, yeah. had that conversation with you when you were 15. 15, very, very early on. So he, he already set up you know, yeah. what was going to be necessary right. if I was going to put, kind of progress. Yeah. Because one of the things he always did, he'd never travel with us. To, to race competitions so the only time we'd seen him be at major championships and that was because he was on national coach duty yeah. so <laughs> that was the only time um, so you'd only have to so again you were left on your own your own devices his job was to get me to the best physical shape I possibly could then if there was things that were always slightly off or off kilter, if anything was slightly off kilter, he would recognise it mm. and he'd be able to just talk things through to you. Yeah. And numerous occasions I'd say to him, because sometimes he just wouldn't say anything. You know, you do a run and then you'd, no be, walking, no, no, you'd be walking back with him <laughs> after and he'd go, oh, I've got to get a new carburetor for the car. And blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> really? I'm, I'm telling you this now, right? Yeah, oh, a new carburetor for the car. And I'd go, oh, Mal, um, did I not? Did you not just see that run there? He went. If I have something to say about it, I'll say it. You don't have to tell me. So if I'm not saying anything, it's absolutely fine. Mm. And sometimes you just go, oh, okay. And mm. if you accept mm. that, then it's easy. It's not, you know. And I and I watch, you know, I watch some other coaches around. And I think they're filling their athletes with so much information. Yeah, what much. what are they retaining? Mm. You know, again, it's that sense of responsibility. So he'd ask me between, uh, uh, what are you going to concentrate yeah. on in this run? Yeah. You. Not what I want you to do. What are you going to You yeah. feel it. Yeah. You know where your mistakes are happening now. So you tell me what you're going to concentrate on, and I'll look out for it. And it's clear you had the maturity to take this pep talk from Malcolm Arnold at 15 and say, you know what? I'm going to meet my side of the bargain. You're going to nurture me. I'm going to step up and allow you to do that. Give the parents who will have children who yeah. are doubtless interested in the sport who are listening to this what kind of commitment did you make I mean was it half an hour a day was it an hour a day a couple of times a week what kind of stuff were you doing in your sort of late teens uh, outside of school and I was like that I would, the only extra stuff I was doing the only extracurricular stuff as you can imagine was stretching yeah and I would do that for half an hour watching Coronation Street <laughs> 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 so uh, because I remember I was too small 
you know, I was tiny. Yeah. You know, all my main rivals were six three, six four, and I stood at five ten and a half. And um, I was told quite early that if I got good range of movement, a lot of flexibility, it'll make me more agile over yep. the barriers. Yep. And if you're more agile, you've got more chance. I thought, well, then I'll get more agile. And so, first of all, I'll get my flexibility up, and then increase your power by you know your weights your circuit training etc etc but i was still when i was quite young i was still relatively lazy right <laughs> because at this stage it's not my career it's not my business it's just having fun yeah so even getting to the world junior championships at 19 yeah um and going there as a as a leader um what people expect I'm, i was ranked seventh in the world as a senior mm -hmm. so i was I was a You're good. reasonable player, right? <laughs> this what there at the age of nineteen, I still wasn't, you know, very much a, a job. It was something that was filling in my day. Yeah, because I still at that stage didn't know quite what I wanted to do with my life. So it was only when you turned twenty that it became so. Yeah, the thing. And I had one of those pep talks again from Malcolm. Uh -huh, literally, uh -huh. I won the bronze medal at the World Championships in nineteen eighty-seven. And he said to me then that your life's going to change from here on in. And I was like, really? How is it going to change? Because I'm still the same, you know, I'm still the same Colin that I was two weeks ago. Just because I got this bronze medal, how is it going to change? And he said, well, A, you're going to have more responsibility thrown on you because there's going to be expectation. Mm -hmm. The next thing he said, your pay packet is going to go up dramatically. And that will soon make you understand that you need to be a little bit more responsible yeah. because people are expecting you to perform. They're not going to give you a lot of money yeah. and think you can go away. Now, at that stage, can you can imagine, Matt, at that stage, <laughs> I'm laughing to myself. I was thinking, I was on £800 for a series of races. Not each race. That was my package. All right? So for a series of races? Yeah. So it's about six races, right, at that stage, going before I won that bronze medal. Right. right? And then the only way you kind of hopefully make a little bit extra was, you know, on expenses. So instead of you having a, 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 a when and it was always we oh, we do this all the time. <laughs> when there was the times where the flights were overbooked, and they'd say, right, if anybody want to get off, we'll give you an extra ticket, and you know you can get on the plane. We'd be like, oh, <laughs> that's like hundred pound in your pocket, yeah. right? That's making a bit of cash yeah. there. So we were kind of canny in the way that we try and make a little bit of yeah. extra money but i went from that 800 pounds and i remember it was like six races so it was a total so it was like oh it's over 100 pound a race here to five thousand pounds per race wow wow so as you can imagine so straight you're away like, you're like hundredfold yeah, yeah. So when Malcolm was saying your responsibility would change <laughs> and because and so when people then again, I guess because I was disciplined and I was well brought up, I realized that if people are, are paying you that type of money, you better perform. Right. You can't go there and just pull on um, an, an expenses performance. It's got to be everything. You've got to be up there. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Most people know that you had an absolutely stellar <laughs> athletics career. I mean, you, from memory, you won the world championships with a world record time. Mm. That time stood yeah. for years. Mm. Um, you broke world records in, I think, was it 60 meter hurdles? Yeah. It stood for mm. a very, very long time. Still stands, yeah. Still stands mm. to this day. You've got yeah. the world record yeah. for the 60, 60 meters hurdles. hurdles. Yeah. yeah. So you weren't just a good hurdler. You were one of the greatest hurdlers yeah. who's ever lived. Yeah. What was that experience like? Did you have public acclaim, people asking for autographs? What was that like? How did you deal with fame and celebrity? Try and give us a, a sense of what that was like. I still have that purity side of me. So I'm smiling already. And you can hear my voice <laughs> that I'm smiling about it because it's brilliant. It was, it's absolutely brilliant. It's the best thing. You imagine being a superstar in the 90s. Yeah. It was just great, right? I remember I was going in, being invited to parties where Prince was going to perform with George Michael and, and all the, you know, the I guess the good and the great of Britain. Yeah. yeah. You were always there, you know, you were very much part of that scene. So it was great. But there was that other side where there's that sense of responsibility again and you, there's expectations. So you stayed, gra- you stayed grounded. You always. Didn't, you didn't, your head didn't always. get turned. I'm going to tell you a story. I had to... Because um, Linford Christie was around in those days, Sally Gunnell was around those days, so we were a kind of a trio, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. that was were, were everywhere. But I remember um, I was invited to, to race in Paris and... Initially, I thought, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't really want to go. But you know what? The guys say, you know, they'll look after us. So let me go. And the whole group are going. So Linford's going, and the whole crew are going. So I said, all right, let's go. And they picked us up. And they took us to um, the Hotel Crillon there, which was just incredible. It's where all the presidents stay, and everywhere in in, in Paris. And they took us there to to stay. And then they showed me to my room, and. I cannot begin to tell you, the room was bigger than my house that uh, they put me in. You had a suite. It was unbelievably big, right? And then I remember Linford knocked the door and said, right, we're going shopping, you come in. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm, I'm just like, I'm just going to stay in. I'm just going to relax and just stay in. And so they all took off and, and I sat on the bed and I just looked around this, this, this room. And I just burst into tears. Oh. I just burst into tears and I thought to myself, I've got all this <laughs> just because I can run fast. 
I couldn't, I couldn't believe that this young boy who came from Lanadin, a council estate in Cardiff, <laughs> was sitting in such opulence, in yeah. grandeur, um, mm. that was historic. Mm. And I just burst into tears. And it took me quite a long time to gather myself and go, well, do you know what? They must think you deserve it. So you know what? You're here mm. to do your job. Do your job properly. Yeah. Do it tomorrow, you know, and perform, which I did. I went out and performed. So I still had those real, yeah. you know, yin and yang moments yeah. where it was like, I cannot believe this is my lifestyle. It was fabulous. You know, for a young man, it was just the best. And I, it's funny kind of I can relate to that. It's what you might almost say, imposter syndrome. Why, why am I getting yeah. this kind of treatment? Yeah. This doesn't seem it did, it real. It doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem right. It just didn't seem right. But I was there, and yeah, and perhaps if I had gone shopping with the rest of the crew, it wouldn't even, yeah. you know, wouldn't even come into my mind. Yeah, but the fact that I was just like, yeah, just go, guys, because I just needed just a moment, and I just burst into tears. And that that sort of magical period of being a superstar, yeah. winning medals, being famous, yeah. suddenly your earnings have taken off. You're staying staying in these incredible hotels. Were there any dark moments during those periods or was it unadulterated time? Because one thing I know about you, I mean, we've met periodically through the years. years. We were at yeah. the Barcelona together yeah. at the Olympics yeah. in 92, Sydney in 2000. Yeah. We've bumped into each other at various other yeah. sort of sporting yeah. events. But you're an incredibly happy person. <laughs> you're, uh, you are, an, I mean, people will <laughs> say, is he, is he yeah. just this? Is he like this on TV and complete? I mean, there are people, I don't know if you've found this, you're in a... You see someone's television persona and then you bump into them in a green room yeah. and they're totally Miserable. different. They're yeah. grumpy, <laughs> they're nasty to the runners, <sighs> they're, 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 they're spiteful, they don't really ask you any questions about you, it's all about them. And then they go on TV and they're lovely. Yeah, they're outgoing, they're generous. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense. But you are exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> on television as you are in person. And you're a very happy, optimistic human being i mean there's no, there's no doubt about that so the question i was going to whether i mean during these periods when you're having this amazing life you obviously had that moment of why me but that was kind of tears and a funny kind of way of joy if a bit of confusion but was it all good i mean were there any negative stories was there anything that was challenging or difficult yeah there were there, there were nothing you, you cannot have as i describe a flawless life right. you know i would say when i look at my life i would say well a life as we are today, <laughs> I would say 96% was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. So I'm only tying like a, a fragment of it. And I don't dwell on those fragments yeah, yeah. Of, of, yeah. of it. You know, I appreciate all the successful things that I had. But yeah, I remember when I first, I fed up with the Federation over foolishness, as far as I was concerned. And um, I went to another meeting at the same time as the the three A's. I ran the hundred in the three A's, and then I didn't want to do the hurdles, and so I went to the to this uh, other meeting in Italy, and I performed there. And then our hierarchy weren't happy the fact that I took off and went to Italy instead of running the hurdles in the championships. Yeah. I was stubborn back in those days. I was not. I wasn't. I wasn't the easiest. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I was most probably stubborn. No, not most probably. I knew I was always stubborn because I was always hungry. And you know, our <laughs> hunger has your moods, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> so because I was like that, I was like, okay, well, well that's your case. I'm never, ever going to run for this country again. No problem. I'm not doing any television meetings. No problem. I've already got my gold medals. I've already got my status. So you know what? If that's the way you want to be, that's the way you want to be. And this battle went on and on for, for some time. And 
the reason why they flew, I was training in Australia and they flew somebody out from um, British Athletics to, to talk to me to, to Australia to try and, no way. Uh, yeah, yeah, to try and bring me back around in that sense. And, um, and do you know what changed my mind specifically was my grandmother. My nan said to me, oh, well, how am I going to watch you run on TV if, <laughs> if you're not oh, in these meetings? Yeah. And, you know, again, it's like, oh, yeah, you need sometimes those reality checks, yeah, those slaps do. in the face to say yeah. to you. Know, and I was like, That's what friendship's oh, about. Gosh, family, yeah. I, oh, yeah, come on, God, put yourself together, son. Yeah. You know, what is it? This little trivia, he won't be around that long. And he wasn't. And then he won't be around that. And that argument would be done and dusted and you'd be absolutely fine. Yeah. So that was one that little was thing. Can I bring up one, one other thing, mm. which I think a lot of people will be thinking, because I... Um, remember vividly you may do too the cohen ovet rivalry mm. late 70s early 80s cram coming in towards the end linford winning gold in 92 you winning the world championship sally gunnell i mean athletics was part of the iconography wasn't yeah. it of britain in the yeah. 70s and 80s it yeah. was a beautiful thing mm. and do you remember the athletic theme tune on bbc and then we would watch it yeah. and it would be like wow you yeah. know we'd gather as a family yeah. around the the tv yeah. set me and my brother would do laps of the block and yeah. we'd be measuring our time it was really part of our yeah. culture it could still be a part of our culture oh, yeah. but it's gone down a little bit for a very simple reason is that some of the heroes that we celebrated and some of the people who we idolized turned out to have taken drugs yeah yeah. And I'm, I want to know what your perspective is on this, because you were part of this world, you're still a part of the world, you commentate on it. Where do you see the influence of drugs on how people watch the sport? How do you feel about people that you would have known and you subsequently found out they were taking drugs? How yeah. prevalent is it? What's your perspective on this, this issue? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one in this sense, because I always felt when I was young and up and coming, I'm not smiling again, which I shouldn't be smiling <laughs> on this issue. But I am smiling because when I was up and coming, I, I can't begin to tell you how hard I worked, right? Yeah. I worked hard. And I couldn't believe people were beating me. Right? <laughs> That's why I'm smiling, right? Because I'm like, how is it possible for you to beat me? You must be on drugs. Yeah. They must be on drugs. That's the only reason they, 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 they must be beating me. And then until you become a champion yourself and you realise that it was just time that you were missing, yeah. nothing else. And then all of a sudden... You're the world leader. And you're thinking, oh, yeah, well, I kind of did it without drugs, didn't I? So perhaps all those people back in the day that I was accusing were actually just better than me at that yeah. moment in time. Yeah. So straight away, then you, you kind of think, oh, OK, right. That's where you park that bit of it. But there is, as we know, that true ugly side of it in our sports. In that sense. So I always think, first of all, optimistic as always, is that there is are so many and majority performances we see on the on the track are done clean i believe that yeah. i generally believe mm -hmm. that because mm -hmm. i've experienced it myself yeah and being a champion or world record holder myself in that sense so of course i think of that but then there are those real negative sides of it as well and i'm proud of our sport that our sport is willing to take the hit because it's really awful press when another superstar in sport gets dope test positive right um, so I'm I'm really positive about our sport that's willing to take that hit to expose these drug cheats. That is really important for me because also the lessons that are learned from youngsters is that we don't tolerate it. And if we don't catch up with you today, we will catch you tomorrow. Yeah. And so you may think you're getting away with it 
and you will get away with it to a certain extent but the reality is we will ultimately come for you now i've i'm i'm really harsh on it as well and i would like them to see that they take all the proceeds that you had from right. your sport yeah. uh when you if you were to ban taking drugs taken off you yeah. like they would nearly do in in, in the real world because it's a kind of fraud isn't it it is fraud people have gone look at you yourself you as a, as a kid you invested time into watching athletics and i want a minute why should that this is you, you should be compensated for your time people who go into the stands into the stadiums to watch great performances if people are a dope test positive why are you there? You wouldn't mm. want to be there to celebrate and support that. So you are absolutely being conned out of your good money that you've earned. People who raise money for sponsorships, shoe brands that, that contribute to you to make you better in that sense. If you're, I would get all of that back. And if it was some way that, that they could get it back, they, they certainly should. Because that's not, that's, they're being rewarded by cheating other people. And you know, just picking up on that, we often focus on the fans who have been defrauded. Mm -hmm. Also, the other athletes yeah. who may have run clean, yeah. who have not had their moment of glory, Absolutely. haven't earned that money, Absolutely. haven't had that trajectory that you've discussed yeah. because someone has decided to break the rules. But there is another really interesting consequence of drug taking that we don't talk about very much. Go on. And that is clean athletes who live under a shadow of suspicion... Ah. Because how could they have done what they did mm. if they were clean? Yeah. Now, have you experienced any of that? Yes. Go on. Yes. Go on. yes. How does yes. that feel? Just down the street, mate, on Oxford Street. This today? Year. Today? Yeah. No, no, not today, not today, not today, not today. Oh, I'm in a good mood. That's always <laughs> Right. Can you remember when the uh, Dwayne Chambers saga was all going on? Yeah. That was big news in, in that sense. Anyway, I was in Oxford Street. I was walking and this guy was with his girlfriend. And I was just mind my business. I walked down. This guy stopped me, stopped me arm, pulled me back. He stopped me. He went, Colin. I was like, Hey, how are you doing? He said, Oh, brilliant stuff. Absolutely fantastic to see you here. Turned to his girlfriend. He said to her, Colin Jackson, here, one of our greatest athletes ever. And he's clean. And then the girl turned, while I'm standing there, she turned to him and went, Well, that's what he said. <laughs> really? If looks could have killed, she would have been <laughs> six foot under rapidly at that particular stage. I was so annoyed, right, <laughs> that... And I thought to myself, this is all because of this circumstance with Dwayne. Yeah. And it's in the public eye. Mm. And anybody who's been successful at that time was... Or any time was being... Fingers were pointed at. And it really annoyed me. And I thought to myself, do you know what? How can we repair your reputation in that sense? I can't, you know, and I think people who, who believe that will always believe it. And people who, who don't believe it will always not that believe it. That must be it. horrifying. Awful, awful, awful. If you've, done, if you've done it right, you've worked, you've gone through the hard yards, and there are people who you can never convince, because you can't prove no, it, can you? you? No, nothing no, you can do to no. prove a sceptic. No, 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 there's nothing you can do. And I think you can't even waste your time trying to. you just got to let them be who they are and think to yourself, what is going on in your life while you're just totally thinking so negative completely about somebody you don't even know? Hmm. I mean, they don't know, <laughs> you know? 
And I think to myself, it is the most frustrating thing for clean athletes to 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 deal with, um, is when you're accused of something. You know, if I want to smash my reputation, I'll do it myself, mm-hmm. right? I don't need you know anybody who is associated with anything to smash my reputation. I'll do it myself. Mm. But when you work hard yeah. for something in an honest manner, and when you accuse, it's like, I, I, and I, and this is words my grandfather said to him or said to me. He said to me when I was just coming on, uh, coming up on the on the world, and there's always that kind of you know suspicion of what's going on, you know, in that doping field. And, I said, and he said to me, you know, remember, if you don't know any decent people, I do. Hmm. And you've got to think about that what somebody says to you that way, and then you realise how your success is having an effect on your extended family, your extended friends. Can you imagine? Every time I was successful, for example, I'm winning titles and winning medals. My grandfather was, you know, hat on, Proud. jacket on, down to his club. He get down to his club. They'd all be buying him drinks. Yeah. They'd be celebrating mm. with him. Mm. That's circumstance. Can you imagine if I was busted for drugs? Yeah. What that would do to his life? Yeah. He couldn't go back down that club. Mm. He couldn't. He do couldn't face it. Way, do you think that's the way to get athletes? all around the world to not take drugs. Do you think it's a question of having values? Values and Almost more than more than yeah. detection. Absolutely. It's, it's just knowing that Kirsty Wade, she mm? competed at a time when oh. so she's a middle distance runner yeah. where many of the Eastern Europeans oh. were taking drugs. Yeah. And I asked her and she said it never crossed my mind to take drugs. It just it because of the values that I had, yes. the, the family I grew up in. Yes. She said for me Taking steroids wasn't a temptation. Chocolate digestives were a temptation, <laughs> but not steroids. It was almost like it was a, a, a line she couldn't Could cross. cross. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get that. Even if she that. knew she would get away with yeah. it. Yeah, no, I totally, totally get that. And I do think it's that kind of, that, that the, the real values that you hold. Mm. You know, ultimately, I always say, I know I can go to bed at night knowing I worked hard and I got every single, every ounce, every accolade I, I got was from... What, can't just say from my hard work right my coaches and the friends your family all they put in time and effort in for you as well but you know what it was done in the purest fashion hard work graft dedication commitment and deliverance yes deliverance when it matters and to me those are the things that i can go to bed with happily every single night and you wonder why i smile every day it's simple and it seems to me that the family's crucial in all of this. What what Number they one. the values they surrounded you with, the support they've given you. I want to transition now mm. into you you came out as gay mm. two or three years ago. Mm. And I know that your family, when they found out, they were supportive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah, backed yeah. you up. Yeah. So the question I was gonna ask is, did you feel during your athletics career that you're the family of athletics or the wider family of British culture wouldn't be supportive? What was your reluctance or were you not that reluctant? You just didn't feel that it was something that was for other people to know about? Um, oh God, that's really that. That's that, that was like a real. I like that. <laughs> I didn't care. I think this is one of the things when you don't have care for something, then it doesn't have it doesn't resonate with you in that sense. So I wasn't going to be out there flying a flag or waving yeah. around. Yeah. I was only going to do my running. That's all I was interested in. And my family who knew were new and they were always around me. So there was to me that all that really mattered. Mm. So nothing really mattered 
Does that make it sense? It does make sense. So, so in and other words, so was, that's just part of who you are. Yeah. Why so should you go and broadcast I, it? I wasn't you know, interested. I didn't, I didn't yeah. go and tell a journalist, I'm heterosexual. No. <laughs> it's just part of who I am. <laughs> yeah, so for me, it was, you know, you can imagine, you're put in this position here. So when I was in the Crayon, for example, in that sense, I'm put in that position to, to go and race right and run and, and that's all I do so everything I was here so I'd be in front of a journalist not because I was gay I was in front of the journalist because I was a runner yeah. so that's all I'm there to talk about I have nothing else of relevance to, to chat to anything or anybody the about the, the reason I mention it is because so when I was in Barcelona 92 mm. Sydney I got hanging around with a few of the athletes mm. and it was in a funny kind of it was quite a macho culture yeah yeah Sport, and right? Sport. So actually, funnily <laughs> enough, I was going to say table tennis was like that, but I thought you'd laugh at me. <laughs> Ping pong. But it, what, but it was very kind of stereotypically masculine, and it was about getting laid and pulling women, and it was a lot of the conversation centred around that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And I wondered what that would have been like for somebody who's a brilliant athlete, who has a different sexual orientation. Was that? Did you see that as jarring? How did you cope with that because there'll be a lot of young people listening in who may be questioning their sexuality thinking it through yeah. wondering who they are trying yeah. to find their voice and I think they'd be fascinated to know how you dealt with some of these sort of ironies yeah I think I was so and this is, it just sounds like a cop-out but it's not a cop-out because I, I it's, it's the truth I was so engrossed in performance that nothing was going to knock me off kilter and so even when you know I like my music and that was brilliant, and I enjoyed, you know, when we were going out to clubs, I enjoyed going out to clubs in that sense, but I didn't want any distractions. Yeah. So I was one of those people who would watch, right, people, and how they formed their relationships, it was always a distraction for them. It was always a distraction. And they were in bad moods. They were like, yeah, I was like, you know what? I just don't want any of that. I just want to stay level, focused, on what I need to do because performance was yeah. was the only and this sounds it was the only thing I had but because I fell into it if I didn't perform in that sense then I would have nothing yeah I felt that was my my internal yeah. thing saying to me if you don't perform you haven't got anything so I was always solely just focused on on, the, on my sport on my performance and and whatever I wanted to do at that particular moment in time so I was never knocked off my kilter yeah. in, in any particular way because um, I'm quite sensitive I guess you know if I'm bursting into tears in a hotel room you can tell <laughs> that, that I'm you know things register things yeah. that they, they do yeah. go on but I also got that hard steely side as well which yeah. is necessary so you've always got to just keep Get that kind of balance right yeah. always too so I always was happy who I was yes. you know uh, yes. that was there was never a, a dispute there for me and so I you, was you were always comfortable in your identity always it wasn't a struggle always. it wasn't no. like oh gosh I wish I was something other than I am no from a young age you knew who you yeah, were never. and you were happy and comfortable yeah with absolutely and i think if you keep your your, your purity in that sense and mm. that confidence in you do you're allowed to grow up and you're allowed to develop i had this kind of the whole well said not net network is the is the wrong word to do but i had this huge duvet this blanket that was always over me and protected me that's what i always felt so i was always secure i was always safe um, and that was is really important. And I realise not everybody gets that, you know. So I don't want to say I was spoiled because 
keep on saying you're spoiled. Mm. But I was, I was well looked after. That's the word and I want to use. Do you mean by the social community? That everything, you're in? everything. Yeah. You know, from my parents to my friends to yeah, my coach right. to my training partners to to every. They always seemed like there was people. Ooh. On your side, always, yeah, always, and you were hugely popular in the. In and the so team. you know, there was nothing for me to worry about or anything like that. And I think again, when you're in that environment, you are so, 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 and, so lucky. And were they aware of? Oh yeah. It? So that yeah. that was well known in yeah, the yeah. and the athletics. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it was fine. Yeah. So that's you know yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's the best thing. And last thing on this, and I. My sense, but I'd love to hear your sense, is that we're becoming more tolerant. That in 20 years' time, this conversation wouldn't even happen. Yeah. It yeah. just wouldn't well, be an true. issue. Yeah. The fact that we're discussing it yeah. means it probably is still a bit of an issue for some yeah. people. Yeah. And if you, for example, I mean, this is unbelievable. I think it's an era thing. It's an era thing. Yeah. But, but, but yeah. think of this. Think of the number of footballers there are yeah. in the world, yeah. in professional leagues, I'm not sure that there has ever been an openly gay, active, active. male footballer. Yeah. That is staggering to me. There are people who find it difficult to be open about who they are, even with their teammates, by the way, people that they're living with day in, day out, because there is still, I think, a stigma attached to it. Do, do, you, do you think that's a fair analysis? Yeah, I still think there'll be a stigma uh, and, and not in a, in, a, in a positive way because I remember I was I was laughing when um, I did an interview with a friend of mine, Kaiser, about um, a, a kiss and tell story. So she was telling me about you know about this talk about this kiss and tell story. So I did that, and then I forgot about it because I did this story like in February, March, or something like this with with Kaiser. And then I was away not in. Um, Switzerland, and then I had all these phone calls. People saying to me, "Oh, oh, you've come out, you come out, you come out, you come out, come out." And I was like, "What?" And I was like, "I didn't even know what you're talking about." Then all of a sudden, my friends were ringing me from LA, from Las Vegas, from <laughs> Canada. Seriously, really? it hit news all over wow. Wow. the world, and I was like, "Wow." Okay, I didn't think I was that relevant. <laughs> I really didn't, but it did. It hit. It hit across the planet and I thought to myself I can understand now why an active footballer mm. wouldn't necessarily want to come out in yeah. that sense because if you if you just want to concentrate on your sport or you still not focus on your teamwork and everything you shouldn't have to be to deal with all of this yes. and this is the reason why I'd say to and I would I'd honestly say that it's not necessary for you to come out in that sense do what you want to do yeah. um, and just live your life the way you want to live it mm. Don't be horrible to people. Don't be miserable to people. Do what you want to do and stay lawful. You know, <laughs> these are the things I'd always say to, mm. say to do. And then whatever happens, happens. Yeah. You know, keep it clear in that sense. And so to, that, to me, it's that's like the reason the first person who takes a step is going to be surrounded. Yeah. And, and like, it could destabilise their football. You mean, and they may not want that type of publicity. Right. And when I say that type of publicity, they may be just quiet now yeah. they don't have to be a superstar of, yeah. of a sport they just and they do want to be a superstar of sport they just want to do their business yeah. which is just play their sport yeah. but you can imagine as you say there'd be such a massive focus continuously continuously yeah. on every angle yeah. you know and I think that in itself is would be difficult to, yeah. to deal with and I was thinking if I was a competing athlete I would have found it very distracting for me yeah 
um, that to take sense. away. Absolutely. So, uh, so for me, that's why I say when you see you don't see any major footballers in that sense, it'd be like, yeah, no, I I, I totally understand mm. how it, it how they they would feel. Yeah. Mm. And just sort of coming towards the end of the interview, mm. um, love the chat by the way. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> um, so what? Do, where where are you today? What what's the future? What are you doing? What's what's going on in your life? Do you know what I think? You know, we mentioned this word happy, and I think to myself, um, are you happy? I would say I I always think happiness is a moment right I'm really content with my life which are is, you? yeah are you? I think that is the most important thing is to <laughs> sit back and go I am really content because you know what makes you happy is like I just had a lovely cup of coffee that made me happy right <laughs> you know that was great to, to see but you you got to be content and yeah. I think everybody should strive for that feeling of, of contentment where you just sit back and reflect and go you know what I don't think I've got oh, that. Oh, good. I, 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 th- I think I, I struggle with happiness as well. What is it? Yeah. What does it consist in? And I'm often looking for the next thing. Yeah, and that maybe... is what happiness can, can do. I mean, if you're content, you will even do Remember, remember this, right? I always say this to people. Choice is the devil, right? Look at what you've got yeah. and appreciate it. And also look and think, have I maximised to the very last yeah. drop yeah. what I've got? Because yeah. what I look around and people are doing, I don't think they do. I think they go about 20% and then they're looking for something new. They're looking for something different. They're looking for a change. Guys, look a little past that 20, 30, 40% and you start to see how things change mm. within your field, within the projects that you're working on. You know, find something that's a tiny that you have a little bit of a spark that's a passion yeah. for. Then you, you and gauge you're learning it. to swim and now. you do that. Right. I'm learning to swim right now. You know, I want to be able to swim by this time next year. I want to be able to swim between 400, 500, 600. Everybody says to me, oh, if you can swim 400 meters, you'll basically swim mile. So there's no problem. But I want to learn to swim and I want to swim well so that I can be comfortable and confident in in what I'm doing when I'm around water. Yes. And then I've already said, next year, I'm going to learn to horse ride. No way! Exactly. Really? Now, where is this coming That's from? Brilliant. Look at me. I you love know, it. What are, you, what are you talking about? You want to learn to horse ride? No, no, already. So I've gone, okay, this is this kind of goal, and I, I know I'm going to achieve that. Why do I know? Why do I know I'm going to learn to swim? Because sweet people swim. I'm not going to be doing anything outstanding in that sense. People can swim. That means I can learn to swim. Quite right. Horse ride. I'm on a horse ride. Why? Do you know what? Why not? <laughs> Why not? I've never done it. I'm now intrigued. I'm intrigued by it. Why not? Just keep give le- it a go. Yeah, quite and right. See what it's like. Got to keep it fresh. This has been a joy. Last question. Yes. Ask hit me. everyone. Yeah. In this series of interviews. Um, the Times, yeah. they have a, what's called, this is a bit of a depressing question, but they have something <laughs> called the they call, called the obituary section. Mm. And they're quite famous. They mm. kind of chronicle the great lives of people in our country and yeah. beyond our country. Um, what would you like your obituary to say about you? I'd say that I was always smiling. Um, I, I tend to be, 99% of the time, I was always in, in a good place. And I had a positive impact on people's lives. Wonderful. Thank you. Pleasure. This episode of Lifetimes has been presented by me, Matthew Side, and produced by Lucy Lavery. 
To listen to household names speak as you've never heard them before, please subscribe to the podcast. Search for Lifetimes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app. And if you like it, please rate and review the series. Lifetimes is a Times newspapers production. To find more of our great journalism, go online at thetimes.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.